In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a lot going on in these two readings that we've had today. We have Moses and the burning bush, one of the great stories of the Bible. And we have the story of Jesus and the unproductive fig tree. Also interesting. And then right before that, we have this story about these people upon whom a tower fell and this horrible story about Pilate missing, mixing the blood of those who'd come to offer sacrifices with the sacrifices themselves. I actually really want to talk about the bush and the fig tree, but it is worth noting because I think we always need to hear this. People often think this terrible thing happened. Why? And sometimes this terrible thing happened, and was it their fault? And Jesus says very clearly here that when these kinds of terrible things happen, they are indeed terrible, but they are not the will of God. We all just need to know that and hear that as often as we can. But now onto Moses, that bush, and that fig tree. The first thing that I think we all ought to wonder about, if we haven't, is why is it that Moses is in Midian? Now, if you know anything about Moses' history, and some of us learned this in Sunday school, he was, of course, born in Egypt. And there was this time when they wanted to destroy all the little Hebrew boys in Egypt, and so his mother, put him in a basket and sent it down the Nile with him in it. And he was rescued. And he was not just rescued, he was rescued actually by Pharaoh's household. And so he was raised in a palace in Egypt. Now he is in Midian. He is tending sheep for his father-in-law and it is on this dry and dusty mountain. Midian, by the way, is in the Sinai. How do you go from the palace to that? Well, the way Moses did it is that as he was growing up, he saw an Egyptian beating up a Hebrew slave, and so he killed the Egyptian. He murdered an Egyptian, and so he ran. He ran and he ran as far as he could, and it took him to the land of Midian, where he met his wife, where he tended sheep, where he was on this particular day, leaving his past in the past and minding his own business until we come to that burning bush, which he turns aside to look at because it's pretty wild and there's not much that's pretty wild or interesting that happens in Midian. So he turns aside and a voice cries out, the very voice of God, Moses, Moses. And then Moses goes on to say, first a little reassurance, I am the God of your forebearers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what I want you to do is to go to Egypt to free the people, to go right back to the place that you ran away from and the people who will want to kill you to free the Egyptians. 
Moses, not at all surprisingly, does not wish to do this. So God tells him three things. He will repeat again that you know me because I am the God of your forebearers. He will also say something that is really important for all of us to understand, and that is that this God of your forebearers is a God who has heard the suffering of the people, of the way in which their overseers are abusing them, and God is not having it. God is always, always on the side of those who are oppressed. He tells that to Moses. And Moses is saying, okay, pretty good case, but they're gonna say, who are you? And then God says this very strange thing, which is, I am who I am. That's actually the word in Hebrew that gets translated into Yahweh, God's own name. But what it tells Moses and tells us, I am who I am, is this is a God who is bigger than anything you can imagine, who stands outside of history, outside of the creation, and yet this same God wants to enter into history because that vast God cares so much about suffering. Well, as they say, the rest is history. Moses does, in fact, go. He challenges Pharaoh over and over and over again, and these plagues come, and then he leads the people into the wilderness and eventually to the promised land, and along the way, just as God said, they come together to worship on this mountain because Mount Horeb is also Mount Sinai. So I want to share with you a really wonderful quote from one of the great preachers of the Episcopal Church, 19th century preacher, Phillips Brooks. He was the rector of Trinity Church Boston. He built Trinity Church Boston in Copley Square, and we actually have him. He's one of the carvings on the pulpit over on the other side, and you'll know it's Phillips Brooks because he's holding up Trinity Church Boston in his hands. But what he said that I think really matters today, let God teach you the only way to get rid of your past is to make a future out of it. God will waste nothing. The only way to get rid of your past is to make a future out of it. God will waste nothing. Imagine Moses, a murderer who had fled Egypt, and yet his care for the suffering of his people his knowledge of Pharaoh, all the ways that had brought him to ruin are the very things that will make him exactly the right person in God's eyes to lead them out. So Phillips Brooks has it absolutely right for Moses. But then we have that story about the fig tree. It's a parable Jesus is telling. There's a fig tree. It's been planted, it's been growing, it's producing nothing. 
the vine, the owner comes and says, you know, it's just taking up space, get rid of it. And the vine dresser says, eh, let's give it another year. Let me dig around a little. Let me aerate the soil. And then let's spread manure around it. Maybe that'll work. And if it does, great. And if it doesn't, okay, cut it down. Whenever you talk about this story in church school, and in particular, I have to say, with teenagers, and you start talking about spreading around manure, it tends to result in some snickers because it gets translated to a different word in people's heads. But it's a really important story. Has anyone here, and now, of course, I want a show of hands, has anyone here ever messed up? Anyone here ever failed? Anyone here ever done something they're ashamed of and hope no one ever finds out about? Yep. Welcome to the human race. We all have some manure we're carrying around with us. Sometimes quite a lot of it. Now, I think our task here in the church is to loosen up the soil. Because sometimes all that stuff we're carrying around keeps us from thinking God could use us, keeps us from thinking we could be the kind of person who could do great things for God or other people. So here we loosen up the soil. How do we do that? Every week we have the confession or we acknowledge messed up, failed, maybe ashamed. And every week, the celebrant pronounces absolution on behalf of God. You are forgiven. That's over. It's done. Move on. I hope that helps. But I also know it's not the ballgame. Because the fact is that we have to take seriously what God does with Moses and what Philip's book tells us, and know that it's actually the worst stuff of us that God can use and will use in amazing ways. Moses is a murderer and someone who flees from the consequences, and yet God uses all of that to free the people of Israel. We have just gone back to having AA meet in our building, Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm really glad about that. But if you ever go to an AA meeting, what you know is there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of manure that people have to talk about down there. But what you'll also discover when you're in AA and if you become a sponsor, is that that very broken history all the ways in which you have messed up your life and the life of others can become the soil from which you can help others and help them to find their way into freedom. And think about St. Peter, the one who at the very end denies Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. Talk about ashamed. Talk about failure. Talk about messing up. And after the resurrection, Peter did not want to talk about it, but Jesus does. 
And so there's this great scene and they're sitting around a campfire and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, you know I do. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, already told you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I really do. Okay, then, go feed my sheep. If you're going to feed the sheep, you need to know what it is to have really messed up and to have really been forgiven. So what do we need to do? Know who we are. Turn and see the ways God might be calling us. Answer when God calls. And then remember, let God teach you. The only way to get rid of your past is to make a future out of it. God will waste nothing. Amen.